live from the RM Studios in Tustin, California, at the crossroads with Gabriel and Lee. We want to, but, but we want to infuse our own meaning to what actually is, even though it flies in the face of, yeah, within that language, they, there's a respect of of uh, that kind of that type of detail where it's gender specific to describe, you know, one word or. I think it's interesting because it's like let's infuse our own meaning into this rather than appreciate what it already is what it already has on its own without you trying to insert whatever agenda or and then the problem gets worse in that it changes when it comes to like the gender neutral or non-binary and and then you throw in the fact that it's unconscious there's unconscious biases that play a factor in this and that Mm-hmm. It's socially constructed on top of that. So it's right. not conscious. It's socially constructed, but it happens from moment to moment, day to day, week to week, based on how you feel, because, of how you identify. Yeah, because even then... So what am I... Because, like, I have a cousin at University of Arizona who who uses it sometimes. Daredevils? No. The, Sun Devils. Uh, no, that's the Arizona State oh. in Tempe. They're the Wildcats ah. in uh, Tucson. So we don't care about those. <laughs> no, but like, from what I know, I think I believe she's straight and she's pretty girly. But she uses that from time to time, Latinx, and I'm like, oh, you're just soaking up all the university crap. And another cousin, the one I'm, I don't know, if I probably mentioned, she graduated not too long ago from. Oh yeah, you. see Santa Cruz mentioned it a while back, and, and she's going, she's using that sometimes too, and I'm like. I don't. I don't get it. Like, because you're taking away from your femininity too, in a in a way, right? You're yeah. Like, you're buying into you're the, degrading your own identity yeah. in a sense. Yeah, you're a woman, and not only. I mean, you're a woman, but you're also a Latina. Latina, yeah. You're That's Hispanic. Holds a lot of power, and it's a de- very specific. Yeah. You know, identity and detail, detail. It's very specific group of people. It's a niche within. Right. Yeah. So demographic. But but you're a feminist, too. It's like are you buying into feminism? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because that's kind of getting that like you said. That's just they de- want degenerating. Pow- they want women equal power, power equal and, and representation. But yeah. yet there is no gender. So you're removing the whole thing completely. You're taking the chips out of the bag. I don't know. I was gonna it's go just, with that. I, <laughs> you're no, just taking the chips out of the bag, bro. You're just left with salt. You're gonna be salty. Um. Right, you're just you're just leaving the salt. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I totally went over my head. You're gonna be salty. No, I guess we can discuss that a different day. But that's a really interesting. It's okay. We already got started. All right. Gabriel and Lee are at the crossroads. Which crossroads? The crossroads. Oh, the crossroads. The crossroads. <laughs> Whichever crossroads you find yourself at. Welcome. How's it going? I am doing well, sir. How are you? I'm great because it's fall. And it's cool weather, and I'm wearing shorts. We're still wearing shorts, Southern Cali. These are actually my favorite shorts of all time. Just because they're comfortable. They're they're great. Nice. I love them. I was gonna say, do you go? Do you go by? It doesn't matter. But <laughs> do you go? 
I like how you just put that in there. Do you go by describing it as fall or autumn? Because, you know, I just think the word autumnal equinox, oh, I yeah. think that sounds really cool. Autumnal? Well, I mean, like I said, it doesn't. I always associate fall with fall back time. Spring, like spring forward, fall spring back. Spring forward, fall back. Time. And I think autumn as in a time in the year. And it represents the changing of the leaves and uh, scarves and you go and you go pick pumpkins. pumpkins and you go out and you do fall or autumny things. Autumny? Not folly things? Not folly things. You don't want to fall. Remember that joke? Don't fall for it? No, no. It was, um, have a nice fall, see you next year or something like that. That sounds familiar, kind of. It was a dumb joke, but everyone did it. Have a nice fall. See you. Or next like year. on on the day before New Year's, like see you next year. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Super funny joke. It's yeah, you know, it's a total dad joke. People still do it though. I don't think people. It's like when you find out that kids are still doing what you used to do, or like the jokes or the games. They're still relevant. They're still they're still the same, games and jokes. That we used to do as kids. I'm sure as kids used to do before us. Yeah. I can't remember specifics, but I'm sure there's a few examples. Yeah. How are you doing in fantasy, by the way? Just want to ask. Uh, I'm doing okay. Could be better. But, no. I'm winning this week, so that's all I care about right now. Good for you, sir. That's what I'm saying. It was a beautiful win, I gotta say. Why is it that fantasy feels so great when you're... Winning? You're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna do so good. This is my second week, you know, in a row winning or whatever. And then next week you get two guys that are hurt. Or one guy that's like, oh, one catch. Yeah. Seven yards. Yep. Uh-huh. Or the guy you had on your bench had like 50,000 points. Yeah. Or the guy you just dropped like two weeks ago, like Will Fuller, had like those 60 points. You dropped them? I dropped them. I had them early on. But I'm not worried about it. Yeah, we're not stressed. Anywho. Anyways. We came to meet at the crossroads to have a discussion. On? On. What what would you like to talk about today? Well, I figured if we're going to meet at these crossroads, we should talk about God. Let's talk about God. At these crossroads. This, at this crossroad. At this crossroad. The so, other ones, we'll, t- we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out later. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of crossroads. So what did, What do you... Uh, what do you gather from when you think of God and how he... How he's a central figure in scripture and right. Christianity or even, I guess, the... And religious... Abrahamic particularly faiths of Judaism Christianity Islam Islam I was going to call it <laughs> no, never mind okay Muslimism because <laughs> I'm that ignorant you know I keep forgetting it's Islam I think that's what's so easy about Judaism is that it's Judaism Jew Jewish you know and it's like Christianity Christian and then Muslim and Islam. It doesn't flow. It doesn't flow. It doesn't, it doesn't have any continuity to it. But, besides the point, I guess, in my opinion, from my understanding, 
from my research, I've done research. Your point of view. From my, from my point of view, from my vantage point, from where I'm sitting. <laughs> blue chair. In this blue chair at the crossroads. It's interesting that we say, <laughs> kind of circling back to this gender conversation of we call God he. Or we gender God in, as a he. Mm-hmm. Which is fascinating how it's it's a he. How do we know? It's kind of hard to say. I'm sure you would be able to help with that or maybe you still aren't entirely um, sure, but it's just interesting. I, that doesn't necessarily like a huge factor. No, I, I think, yeah, I think it goes into the historical hierarchy and how the father was the central figure of the family. Right. Head of the household. Where it wasn't just the um, the key figure as far as leadership is concerned or the title is concerned, but it was actually one of the one of the higher or more respectable titles in society. Was father most the highly the most highly regarded? Yeah, role role, which is very different. Contrasts very different with with today Mm -hmm. so I think in that sense of the attributes of fatherhood of being a dad being the provider the protector the defender the one that blesses you the one that gives you your birthrights your inheritance all that so all those attributes were applied to God spiritually spiritually speaking right so the authority Authority's a big one. So I think that's the way it just kind of... Kind of got shoehorned in there to... Yeah. Describe... To describe God. God the Father. As a Father. Yeah. Right. And... On the flip side is... Is Jesus Christ the Son. The incarnation of God. Right? I think that's another interesting conversation to be had. Because it's like there's... Why did he come as a man? Yeah, so, right, so God, the woman? Spirit. Well, I don't know, I didn't even think about that. Again, it goes, I mean, it might have something to do with the whole gender roles and how the son inherits mm. X, Y, and Z, and that daughters were expected to marry, and then they receive their husband, you know, the... the The name and... The inheritance or the percentage was from the husband's family, Again, going back to if you had 10 kids and you had to distribute your wealth evenly to all 10, that it wouldn't take that Which many is generations. Social, socialism? No? Is it? Yeah, right? Equal, uh, equal distribution? In a sense, yeah. I don't know. I'm just trying to relate. No, yeah, in a sense, yeah. Because you're, you're not making anybody go up or... You're just keeping it kind of where it is. Level at the bottom. Yeah. Which is fascinating how... Well, going back to like the spirit aspect of this and that. So, I like that. I forget who said this, but how as cultures and tribes and groups of people began to merge and coexist, the the battle of the gods occurred in in the heavens, and then what what we were able to conceptualize was the ultimate. God essentially the figure the yeah. figure so it's like over time we had to develop a more sophisticated way of understanding 
the supernatural, if you want to call it that, or rather... The invisible. The invisible, the, the unseen, the... I don't even know what you would say. Like, the, the, the voice of the universe, in a sense, right? And how there was an, a, a deep connection, as we can see throughout cultures and throughout areas of the world, there was a, a great affinity for the sky the heavens and there are you know hieroglyphics and statues and uh, rituals and all these different cultural implication implications to gods and then over time we decided there is gods of all gods which is how it's said in scripture right something to that effect god of all gods king of kings king of kings or lords right so it's just fascinating how we, as we understand, are innately wired to have religious tendencies and to worship certain moral ideals. And how do we attribute those moral ideals is based on our cultural surrounding, our cultural environments, and then family and, you know, re- religion as a more specific mm-hmm. what is it parameter but I think for me God is and I, and I like the way it sounds to be honest is that God is that which is beyond your understanding or your knowledge or in understanding that we are very limited and ignorant and blind and knowing that God I think for me is 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 everywhere and every is like the ultimate was it manifesta- manifestation of, of just like everything that sounds well, very philosophical no we will but I always do that yeah no well it, it's uh well actually let, let me say it this way in scripture it says God is or I am who I am mm-hmm. right which is to say that God does you can't you can't argue God's existence if we take scripture for being a, a record of our interaction with God we know that God is it doesn't say God exists or God manifests or what have you it says God is or rather I am who I am right because he when he's interacting with Moses Yes. Moses, his whole rebuttal with God telling him his plan and telling him that he's going to use him to, you know, free the Israelites and what have you, is that, first of all, obviously scared. But, yeah, it's interesting how he says, well, who who am I going to say sent me? As you're saying, you know, I guess he's asking for a name or he's asking for an identity, a way to describe right. God. And he says, I I am has sent you. I am, yeah. And like you're saying, saying, that's just his way of making it clear that there's no way to quantify him. There's no way to really put God in a box. Fully describe. And walk around God. Right. So fully describe that which he is. If we're talking about 
a spirit that's omniscient, omnipresent, right? Omnipotent. 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 So all, all knowing, all being, and all seeing. All seeing, but he's at, he's in every time as well. There's no, he's not, he's outside of the confines of time. Time and space. Time, yeah. So that, in and of itself, for us is like, well, wait a minute, what is? And then there's a description of that. What is that actually? The various depths of God, right? It was like length. I forget the. There's like four dimensions. Talking about, you're talking about Paul when he's talking about the, nothing can separate us from the, love of God. I think so. Saying no depth, no height, no. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's outside of our known understanding. And then there's the other piece of God the Creator. God create created the heavens and the earth, the beasts, the created man. So there's attribution, if you will, to God of being a creator. Mm-hmm. And us, in turn, being creation being that which was created by God. So there's obviously... How do you say it? In the beginning of time, if you will, right? If there was... And it's like by by word, because it says that God said, let there be light and there was light. Spoke it into existence. Spoke it into existence. It came from his essence or from his being, right? The, if we go back to the vis, the invisible became visible as right. he spoke. Matter became physical yeah. matter. Yeah. And then what's fascinating is then once out of the Garden of Eden, well, not even, even in the Garden, well, actually after, there was a kind of like um, almost like a separation of man from God ooh that's yes and that I should have sent it to you beforehand why didn't you man I don't know I I was thinking like I got it did you get it yep there was a fly running around running around (laughs) (laughs) there was a fly running in here and he he caught it oh man I Uh, need a thank you for catching the fly Uh, as we were saying Gabe about the video that I was going to have you see, which you ended up seeing through the... Not only did I see it, I perceived it. Did you? So what'd you get from it? I perceived... Temple talk, that creation talk. There's temple, creation, that God will dwell within creation, and through creation will create the body. No, the temple, which is the kingdom of God, the church. Mm-hmm. Through each person's each life. life. And I like how Peterson says that when we do not aim for the good, if you will, that we leave a gap or a hole in, in the in a void. The quilt of the universe. Hmm. And it's our responsibility to fill in that gap. So by not doing what we're supposed to, in essence, we're not complete. 
in a whole. Because mm-hmm. remember last week we talked about the different parts and that we are different elements of the same being or the body, different body. body. We, we, we all play, yeah, we're all, we're all different part of the body. We all play a different role, but in order for the body to function the way it's supposed to, right, the wholeness is a part of it. Which is funny because in some scripture, I know in, like in the Old Testament, it talks about the left hand does not know what the right hand is doing or right. you must know what the right hand and left hand are doing, something to that effect, mm-hmm. which is fascinating. Mm-hmm. If you think about how, if like in a marriage, if the wife and the husband aren't on the same page, that creates conflict. Yes. You can't have two left hands, two right hands. Or two, what is it, dancing? Two left feet? Two left feet. Because that means, that means you're not you're coordinated, not rhythm, it means yeah. you're not rhythm. Means you're kind of um, clumsy, clumsy, or yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah. yeah, kind of now spreading that across all of humanity. There is a responsibility for all of us to be moral agents of good, because it is said that God is good, or rather that. Everything that God created was good. Most things, at least. At least what was said that was good. Which is most, right? And then the uh, counter-argument is that why is there evil that exists in the world? It has to do with free choice. Free choice, free will. Eve decided to take that fruit. And give it to Adam, and Adam chose to eat the fruit. I think, uh, one way to look at it, she decided that it wasn't, like we learned last week, it wasn't enough. Right. Or rather that she wouldn't let a man tell her what to do. She was trying to be bossy? Come on, that was a good one. No? Yeah. She's She's a feminist. And (laughs) (laughs) So that, there's nothing new under the sun? There's nothing new in the sun, man. Uh, oh my gosh, it's not following. Um, yep. Following? Yeah, it's not following. Oh man, how do you do this? No, it's because uh, it's not because it's supposed to be following the screen. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's okay. So we're going to start it again? No, we're good. Oh. This is technical stuff. Due to technical difficulties. No, uh, yeah, I think uh, when we separate ourselves or we decide to go go our own way as opposed to doing things God's way, or in the light of the knowledge of God, mm-hmm. that 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 will that would then force us when reconciliation comes into back into the picture, to be reconnected, reconciled to God, then that would force us to 
realign with God as well. And the picture that comes to my mind is always uh, Moses' interaction with God, the burning bush. Mm. And how, let me just read it. In Exodus 3, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why this bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. So, right there and then, he's making it clear that there's a distinguish. It's to be distinguished when you're in the presence of God and you're being mindful of God so that he took off his sandals as a sign of reverence or a sign of um, almost like he wasn't worthy because in the Middle Eastern culture a lot of them I'm not going to pinpoint one or the other but the bottom of your souls represents like the lowest of the lowest you can get because mm. they're dirty there's you know there's a lot of junk in there like germs <laughs> there's a lot of germs <laughs> but there's yeah so in that context it would make sense for him to make it apparent to Moses that you, there's a distinction between you're in my presence versus not you know because then that goes into later on that'll, that'll go into the law of of what's what's um, permissible, what's not, or another way to break it down, what's clean, what's unclean, mm. so to speak, what's holy, what's not holy, which is where kosher foods oh, come into yeah play and you know which animals to eat, which animals not to eat, that right. whole thing, yeah, right. What what sort of clothing to be worn. Right, because I remember you mentioned, you guys were talking once about the garments, the, mm. the types of clothing that the priests were required to wear, and it was... I think it was linen? It was a type of, of material that wouldn't allow for it to stain very easily, so that when the priest was in the presence of the Ark of the Covenant or in the Holy of Holies that represented the presence of God... Like you say, he wasn't to appear tired or appear dirty or appear, I guess in this case, unclean or unworthy. Yeah. But it's just interesting how, like in in the case of Moses, he was in a place in his life where, I mean, he was at that point, he had already committed, he already committed a murder. He was already, he fled, fled. You know, he's a fugitive. They were after even before he committed murder. They were still out. They were already after him, and he was already a target. But he was a bad boy. 
Yeah. Dun 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 dun. Which is interesting. That he was a biker. Had some tattoos. Smoked cigarettes. Well, he he wasn't. How would I put it? He was a dangerous man. He was a man to be reckoned with. Mm. He was so like that, the Blues Brother. Connecting back to Dan. Kind, kind of, yeah. Your favorite. No, yeah. Um, actually, Peterson, I was listening to a video today of Peterson. He was talking about how, yeah, that being harmless is not a virtue. It's not a good quality to have. Because mm-hmm. if you're harmless, that means that you don't know or understand your full potential. Your potential that you can be dangerous, that you can be harmful, that you can be... Which is more than likely going to be hidden from you. Right. And you're going to deceive yourself. Right. And then when it comes out, you're like, what? Oh, I would never do that. And the world just happened. Yeah. After you've struck your wife or something to that effect. It goes into... Murdered somebody. Goes into the... Crime punishment. Or is it crime punishment or... Crime and punishment. Yeah. Have you read that book? No. Oh, my God. It's fantastic. What am I thinking of? Not Dark Shadows. Hidden Shadows? Mm. That Peterson refers... Alludes to, or... Not alludes to, but... Refers to? The Shadow? The, the Shadow Within, or the... Just the Shadow. Yeah. Actually, it's funny. Uh, I was going to bring it up on Sunday, or, or last Saturday, or Wednesday, or... You don't remember? Or Friday. No, but it was talking about the Valley of the Shadow of Death. Mm-hmm. Meaning that if it's, a sh- if it's casting a shadow, like... When the sun casts a shadow, that you have to be quite close to that person to be able to be hit by the shadow. To the figure, right. To the person that's casting the shadow from the sun. So if you're in the valley of the shadow of death, that means that you are so close to death that you are in its shadow, essentially. In its depths. And that reminded me of how Carl Jung calls that part of you the shadow. And I thought that was fascinating. I wonder if he got it from there or how he decided that was what he would call the the dark our darkest our the, darkest depths. Our darkest depths, exactly. And it's funny how you how I forget who said he quoted someone saying that the longer you look into it 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 starts to stare back at you. Or something like that. It sounds familiar, yeah. And I thought, hmm. That's pretty frightening, if you ask me. I know this is kind of going on a jan- tangent a little bit, but it's okay. No, it's all there. No, it, we'll we'll circle it back. Okay, folks. so yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> so in those moments, or in your darkest moments, you are in the valley of the shadow of death. Of death. Literally, for Moses, he was going to get killed. There you go. Or after him. So he was in in his darkest moments of his life. You find yourself in those moments at various times in your life. And you think about how God created from chaos, which was dark and void. So there's some parallels there, right? But in even in that, God was able to extract, was able to call out, call forth the light from the darkness. So even though you would be able, even though you would find yourself in those in those dark moments, I think that's that's the hope part, right? Of of what God has has what is it has developed in us? Because even despite those dark moments in our lives, 
the light can be called forth. And and in in those moments we can still find the light. Which is fascinating because again, I think in connecting it back to Genesis, it's with the truth it's with truthful communication that we're able to find our way out of that dark chaotic dark and chaotic time because that's what is able that's what allows us to discern the truth and the lies and then I, and then you, you attribute the lies to the darkness mm-hmm. but what's cool about that is that when you turn the lights on it doesn't distinguish it doesn't how do you say extinguish the dark right it overcomes Right, the darkness darkness does not overcome light unless the light goes out on its own. Right. You can't when when does But you can't turn on the dark is is what what right. that is. Right. You can turn on lights, but you can't turn on the dark. Darkness is the absent light. Right. So as long as you have the light, as long as you have hope, as long as you have he who is good and is who he is you will always be able to find yourself out from the darkness Mm -hmm. yes I really wanted to think that through and I'm glad I did because I had those thoughts pretty piecemeal and I feel like that was the most fluid it's ever been well (laughs) you're welcome I don't know (laughs) to myself mostly well just just to kind of piggyback what you're saying about the light that was in Moses, the part of Moses that was, that had already come to life, or that had already, that he had already acknowledged about, about God, about the God of the Hebrews, Israelites, Jews. It's definitely, it's definitely explained or expanded on in Hebrews in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11 where it says uh, Hebrews 11 verse 24 by faith Moses when he became of when he became of age refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt for he looked to the reward by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he in, he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So, I just think it's interesting that they always point to how he he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, because obviously Moses is a Old Testament figure. And we don't see the fullness of Christ mm-hmm. in the embodiment of his first coming until the New Testament. But in anywho, he was still he was still mindful of the things of God and the the goodness of God, even when even to the point of him rejecting what what the Egyptians had in store for him. Because then you go into some scholars or some theologians go into some of the writings of Josephus and how it's implied, he implies that 
Moses was actually he was he could have been the next in line to be Pharaoh. Or he was in somewhere along the line, somewhere down the line he was he could have been a Pharaoh. Yeah. So knowing all that, being educated in their their schools. I'm assuming he was he was also he was also schooled in some kind of physical like training, like maybe combat, because I mean he was able to fight to fight and he was able to battle and win. Yeah, I mean I don't know. I mean we don't know the extent of it, but I'm assuming that he was taught the best, right, in all facets of yeah knowledge that they had. He was pretty well well rounded. Yeah, and even then. I guess he was he didn't reject his identity like you're saying he he was living amongst the darkness but he still retains the light he still had the light the light was still apparent to him maybe he didn't fully or completely buy into it at the time like he did with the burning bush and he had to say yes but Going, just I'm just the figure I'm thinking of is the the yin and the yang how yeah there's a the dark half and the light half and that there's a drop of each other in the uh, in, in the corresponding other. yeah side but yeah so with Moses that's definitely what I'm thinking of connecting yeah so then kind of going off of that is that God's presence presence can be amongst us is what I was thinking of also in that he he hid his face from God right because he was scared because yeah, he, he was, was scared of not felt not worthy of there's another one running around yeah gosh <laughs> these little these little demons. So, that reminds me of when Adam hid, Adam and Eve hid, hid themselves from hid God the because they were ashamed, which is fascinating if you think about it. We're chicken. Well, no, well that, but also that we have even, we have in ourselves this, what is this? Proclivity to proclivity to be to know when we are we are being when we are shameful when we are lacking we know that and we know that there is another if you want to call it an attribute God is judge as 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 a judge God is a judge God is the ideal well yeah. mainly Jesus as the ideal you think um yeah so you think. Like a good picture of that would be Christ, right? Yeah. And that the reason why he was such an offense to people, predominantly the Jewish leadership, so he was just a figure for them or a constant thorn on their side, constant reminder that they were completely off the off the aim, off the mark, so to speak. He was a constant... He was... He was Cain to Abel? No, no, no. How do you say it? Who was the one that got murdered? Cain. Abel got killed by his brother. Abel got killed. Yeah. 
So Abel was a constant reminder to Cain. Was is Jesus to the Jewish leaders to Cain. That's one way to look at it, yeah. That's really confusing. Does that make sense? No, it makes sense. Yeah, because they ended up killing him. Right, because they ended up killing him. Yeah, exactly. So it's, again, I think that's why we know when we... When we interact with other with others, we have this dis- disdain towards those that we see as exemplifying what is it like higher morals or a higher what am I trying to say? They 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 exhibit the highest morals possible, and we are well. We are shameful of ourselves, and then that in turn creates envy and anger and resentment and jealousy. Yeah, because I was gonna say, I think it re- it creates different reactions for different people. Exactly right. So some people might be irritated, some people might be angry, some people might be shameful, other people might be curious, might be somewhat amused, and and think, oh hey, there's something to this. Right? It just depends on their stage in life or maybe they're having a bad day. I don't know. But I think some of it too might be... Because with with uh, Cain and Abel, for the longest time I thought maybe Cain felt like he was being shown up by his brother. Because he's like, my bro- I know my brother. I know what he's about. Like, he's not that great of a guy. Like, such and such to God, but... I mean, I know what he's like behind closed doors, you know. <laughs> and, and I'm assuming there's you some... Know of, tr- he knows his true nature. There's some of that. Maybe there was some... I was thinking maybe there's some of that behind it. But, I mean... It's hard to say, right? It's hard to say, but then again, look at the fruit of his feelings or of his thoughts. It, it created... Murder. Right. Murderous that's, tendencies. That's, that was the fruit of... Right. So that wasn't... There wasn't anything good to that or... I don't want to say truthful to it, but there wasn't anything just. There wasn't anything righteous. Righteous. About yeah. It because it produced bad fruit. Mm-hmm. So he, obviously, he couldn't have been within the mind frame of the things of God, the love of God, the fear of God. That wouldn't have produces, produced that type of fruit where he took his own brother's life. Yeah. I guess it's a good way to put it because, yeah, he didn't value his brother's life to the point of. Nor his own. Just, he disreg- yeah, he disregarded his own life. Disregarded life. If you think about it, because then his punishment was more than he could bear. Uh huh. Because he had to continue living on with the guilt. Mm. And no longer valid his. At that point, no, even before murdering. Did not value his own life enough to know what could have happened, transpired after. So that's, I think that's why I really, really enjoy Crime and Punishment. Going back to Crime and Punishment? Because it's exactly <laughs> that. It is exactly Kane or Raskolnikov developing this resentment and hatred towards one individual... Because of their circumstances, Raskolnikov's calls Kane's circumstances, and deciding that someone else 
should take that and and their anger should be directed towards this person because they have found little cracks in their behaviors or or character if you will again when when we see and and actually common punishment is not necessarily the case but I think when we see those who that do good so going back to last week the the guy that's giving out money for free was attacked um his his information was hacked and he's he's there's this um identity theft going on with him and his information is being spread out so you see that a lot of times right and 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 it's interesting if we want to spread our tentacles a little bit into the pol- into politics into the political sphere because we see that happening at very high levels where there's there's this vigorous attack on certain individuals mm-hmm. and then if we connect it back to this discussion or or rather this scriptural understanding is that when anger and jealousy and envy and lack of self-control take over what we have is like you said we people bear bad fruit and that leads to murder or any other of the any of the vices and in in that creates um tension and again kind of going back to not valuing one's life or life in general, the life of others, in and of itself is not valuing valuing God, because, like we said, God's God exists in and pre, God's presence exists within each individual, us being the temple. Mm. So not respecting God or respecting that person is disrespecting God and and essentially all of humanity if you want to say it that way right because I what I think of is I mentioned it before I think is the whole idea of having humanity is having an identity crisis so when we're producing bad fruit it's because we're not living Accordingly, we're not living up to God's standard or what God has in mind. We're go- we're going about life based on our own understanding, and we're not acknowledging Him. We're not acknowledging that, like from the beginning, in Genesis one, it says that we were created in the image of God, right? In Genesis 1, 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So, if we have the, the image of God, or... Um, in essence, the we're taking on the the attributes of God. Similarly, right with emotions, with uh, our our own being, having a spirit, 
having a soul. You know, the invisible. We're, we're, we're really... We really are reflecting God in our... Not just in our outer presence, or inner presence, but essentially... How we live, how we interact with each other, how we communicate, and so, like you're saying, when we don't, when we when we fail to, when we fail to get to that aim, and we become Cain. It's really because we don't have a clear understanding of one who we are, and two who God is, right? Because yeah, that makes sense. How would you? You can't have one without the other. How would you understand who you are as a as a person and what your purpose is without having an understanding or an idea of of God? Or yeah, how would you even get there if you can't even acknowledge that there is a God? Hmm. So it's it's as if you're denying yourself and like you or like how you put it. I like how you put it. You're you're not valuing yourself the way you ought to. And it's funny because today, I think in in the podcast with Jorog and Dan, I forget his last name, Akroyd? Dan Ackroyd. Ackroyd. At the end, towards the end, they were talking about, yeah, we need to treat, treat each other better and we need, uh, and that's through love or something to that effect. They talked about love and and all I was thinking in my head was like, what they're talking about is God's love and God's grace. Because mm-hmm. that's different than our love. Man's love is warped and... We're always falling short yeah, of God's glory. And sick and... It's it's not pure, our love. Or like, remember the the Mark Ruffalo tweet I sent you about the... Vanity Fair article about Ellen and George Bush and yeah. how the the headline was we need to we need to have a better under, essentially we need to have a better understanding that sometimes unconditional love is limited or unconditional kindness kindness excuse me is limited because I'm thinking like that's not unconditional anything yeah if it has limits are you kidding <laughs> that's, me that's a direct contradiction <laughs> right. journalism right. right. Actually, they need to take English classes before they can get into journalism, grammar. Right before they get the the fake newswire. <laughs> that would be a great newspaper. Fake newswire. Can we do that? We have to see if it's being taken or not. I doubt it. Well. Well, I mean, there's Daily Wire, but fake newswire. Fake newswire, yeah. Anywho, okay, so we can have fun with that later. <laughs> I know, right? Hey, can you tell I've been thinking about this? A little because bit. Because I have. And I think what's helped a lot is Proverbs. What part? All the parts. All of it? Okay. All the things. We'll go ahead and read all of it then. All right. Sit back, relax, get a cup of coffee. <laughs> we'll be here for the next hour going through Proverbs. <laughs> I think what I like, and then we, we touched upon it on Saturday, is that was that we can we can see but we don't ha- that doesn't mean we have eyes to see or something I forget how exactly that if you don't have eyes to see that you truly cannot see meaning you cannot truly perceive God's goodness if you will in this 
specific example. It's going to be hard for you to fathom the meaning or to connect the... Yeah, that makes sense. So then you can have ears, but it doesn't mean you can... Ears to hear. You have ears to hear. Yeah. You can listen. That's what it was. You can see, but it doesn't mean you perceive. Mm-hmm. You can hear, but it doesn't mean... No, you can listen, but it doesn't mean you can hear. And the other part of that was like you can have knowledge, but it doesn't mean you have understanding. Mm-hmm. And then the extent of that is wisdom. And I like that. It talked a lot about um, like righteousness and um, the other... When you speak lies being unrighteous but that in having God's wisdom you begin to to speak truth and that it leads to better outcomes essentially and there was a particular example that I that I remember bringing up because in the chapter that we were reading or that we were discussing in 12 rules was about marriage and and deceit within a marriage and it, in mm-hmm. Proverbs it talked about the woman that seduced the man while her husband was gone or something to that effect mm-hmm. and she do, seduced her, him with her lips and then that in in that seduction extend that in that seduction seduction extended him the the man that was seduced all the way down to hell mm. which is the same concept in I haven't read the book forgive me but Faust I believe it is or Dante's Inferno rather mm-hmm. And then also in scripture, it talks about that when you looked upon a woman, you have already committed committed adultery, adultery meaning that the 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 reasonable line of logic or re, or the logical conclusion to to looking upon a woman is going to be uh, a sexual interaction, essentially. In that a reasonable a reasonable conclusion to rage or envy or any of those motions are going to be murder or what have you and you go down the line and that's kind of like Dante's Inferno is that hell extends all the way down to the worst of the worst the lies and deception and the murder and the covetousness I believe that's the word and honoring other gods and things like that yeah it's the idea behind a network exactly And, and that was the other thing that we are how Peterson says a node within a network that we are connected to all of my all of mankind and that and then then Jesus um, Jesus is the kingdom of God life or purpose was to to bear the burden of all mankind's sin because God understood or Jesus understood that Jesus was that he was connected to all of humanity yeah, because that goes into... I feel like I'm ranting a little bit. No, go ahead, because that goes into... Yeah, that goes into the church. We were just talking about the church and... Right. The people that are... Yes, the temple. Part right. of... Yeah. We're also the temple of God, and that's what makes up the church, is the people that are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're interacting, and they're... If we are, you know, in the... If we are abiding in Christ, right, if, it, if we, if we are connected to the vine, then the vine is giving out. If we're connected to the divine, the divine. Huh? Uh. That's one way to look at it. <laughs> okay. But it, but essentially, if we're connected to the vine, then going back to fruit, we're going to be bearing fruit. And what's that fruit? It's the life of God. It's 
it's found within God's word. It's found within God's, that's the God, that's the temple or not the temple, the kingdom of God, essentially the church, the church is different bodies. They're all connected, intertwined some way, somehow we're all affecting each other, but together is when it all comes, becomes complete in a sense. And then the grouping of people, when when we really get along in the story of the Tower of Babel and wanting to protect ourselves and lean on our own understanding, right? I think that's what it was. God destroyed. Leaning, We're leaning on our own we reliant knowledge, on ourselves and knowledge our, yes. if you will. Because uh, really quick, I, that's kind of what... Um, I was getting it, getting to that with my friends today in a conversation about technology, and I'm like, "When is this gonna end? Like, a few years from now? And now that drones and robots are on the rise, I don't know if you've seen that commercial. That there's an ad for FedEx, and they're actually, they're actually gonna start utilizing delivery bots. It looks like, like those. What's it called? Kind of reminded me of that. The robot from the Jetsons. It just reminded me of that figure. But anyway, so they're doing a delivery bot. And I was just talking to my friends about about how when technology, going back to the, the Tower of Babel, right, the concept of the Tower of Babel, uh, technology is supposed to make our lives easier or more convenient, so to speak, where we don't have to work as much. But my whole point with my friends was saying... In a few years, it's going to turn into an environmental crisis because right now we might not be filled with batteries and dead robots that aren't working anymore, that are not being recycled or reused or what have you. But the same complaints that we have right now about plastics and just all this old space junk, especially, right? There's like dead satellites out in space and whatnot. I'm like, that's around the corner we're not even we're not even uh, taking into consideration all these cell phones that smartphones that we're accumulating tablets what have you all these electronics smartwatches everything it at some point or another so I always go back to Wally Wally but eventually wow. right if we just keep we keep the same pace and we're not mindful of the fact that we're just creating more future trash by not creating something that's sustainable, that's renewable, you know, because we might think, oh, yeah, electric cars are a little way to go. But what's what good is it going to be when there's, you know, hundreds of millions of Teslas lying around and they're obsolete and they're outdated and we have no way of getting rid of them? You would think they would be more, or they, I don't know who this they is, but you would think we'd be more focused on public transportation that's a little bit more sustainable, in my opinion, rather than creating an individual vehicle for each individual person, right? Instead of creating more mass transportation. Or at least some type of effort that combats, um, I call it de-urbanization. Mm. Posted a story... Last week, I don't know if you saw it, but it was different slides, different pictures 
of the some of the pictures I took of the statistics at from the National not, not sorry the Natural History Museum of Los Angeles, and there were some figures that I thought were really interesting. Uh, some of them being that ninety percent of the water in Los Angeles is oh, yeah. imported. That there that fifty nine percent of Los Angeles is paved. And then I don't know how many millions of cars there are. <sighs> and it was it was a different exhibit. I think it was their oh gosh, I'm not I don't even remember, but it has to do with the study of gems, of stones. What am I thinking of? Harry I, Harry Potter? No, no gems like uh, precious stones and whatnot. Anyways, <laughs> diamonds. Like, there's a term for it. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not coming to mind. That's what, the study of. Well, I know geology is the study of the earth and the crust. And the study of stones. Pre- gems. Gems. There is no study of gems. Geology. Gemology. Okay. Gemology, mineralogy, paleontology. Oh no. <laughs> petrology. Anyway, so they have an exhibit <laughs> and they were playing uh, a video from, it looked like it was from the early 80s. And it, in there, they were breaking, essentially breaking down how all of the, all the energy, all the energy that goes through or goes to, I should say, Southern California, L.A. County, Orange County. It has to pass over the San Andreas Fault and other fault lines along California. So that means our water, our gas, electricity. And I love how the sirens are going by as I'm saying this. Because we have an emergency. We could have an emergency. No, no, I was just interesting how... <laughs> what? Just give it a second, huh? This is this is this is the the downside of our studios is studios. that we don't have soundproof proof. No, but as I as I was saying in that video from nineteen eighty whatever, the early eighties, they're saying that gas, water, electricity, it has to it has to be um, generated or go, it has to go over the San Andreas Fault, and that if an earthquake where to, the, uh, the big one was to hit us somewhere along the fault lines that it could potentially break California it we could break that energy source oh that line of you know and in, in the way my brain works trying to think of the worst things possible sometimes that's <laughs> healthy yeah but and it's funny because it happened last week was what if all this took place during fire season to make matters even better right so imagine, could you imagine not having water, not having natural gas? There's electricity here and there, but because of the winds, the Santa Ana winds, it's going to cause a fire. And how in the video is saying, yep, it could take, it could even take up to a few days because we're surrounded by mountains and hills. You know, LA County, Orange County, we're surrounded by these, you know. By nature. By nature. And how, I'm like, we're being ignorant if we don't think this is possible because you look at Katrina, you look at what happened in Houston. I mean, I know it's a different, totally different element, totally different type of natural disaster. But in the way, in my, in my thinking, I'm like, yeah, this is a potential for a lot of chaos just because 
of how it's set up, how many people there are. And I just, I don't know. I just thought, like, this is crazy. How That reminds me of uh, how, I think it's in that that rule in 12 rules, 12 rules. But I, I think Peterson's talk, touched on how, how we're dependent on the sun. Mm-hmm. Metaphorically, right? Yeah. But the sun provides us and the plants and everything the necessary nutrients needed to grow and sustain life. Mm-hmm. And how if there were to be a big enough of a solar flare, it could take out the power grid in the same way that you're saying that we are not prepared for that sort of occurrence. And that can surely create a whole lot of hectic and chaos it would create a hectic environment and it would be chaotic and people would be running around the streets going crazy I don't people know. wouldn't know what to do they wouldn't know where to go they can't use their maps that's me what free do we go on the 5 north the 5 south to get to LA you know at this point I don't know it could be either way 22 east I can go 22 east and get to LA right it's a joke anyways <laughs> but it's that same it's the same idea that everything's connected interconnected to we're all interconnected even our our relationship to nature and fire and earthquakes and everything else we're all affected by each of these factors it takes a lot to get this thing moving forward it takes a lot to and, and going keep the electricity on the water running all these different elements that right. we all these different elements of our lives that we've come to just accept as Hey, we wake up and we put the lights on, we brush our teeth, we make breakfast, we go to the store and there's a whole abundance of food. The tree of life is at the Costco. Well, I mean that dude, that was me two weeks ago. Where I was I was like it wasn't Saturday. I was by myself, had my own time. The wife was doing wifey things. Wifely things with uh, the family, aunt's birthday and breakfast or brunch or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I was thinking that. I'm like, how blessed am I? I can just get in my car because I'm hungry. And I can drive to this restaurant and take out food and drive it back home and eat where... <laughs> you go to the drive you make me food. Here's a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> Here's money. No, but... Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, and there's people around the world where their normal is... I. It takes me 10 hours a day just to go and, and get some... Water, not clean water, just water for my family for the next day. That's insane. I was, I was like thinking, like, dude, that's insane. And and again, going back to the whole disaster, the natural disaster, and this could all just fall apart at any moment. One thing goes wrong. We're and, fragile. Yeah. And people don't realize it. No, we take it for granted. And we've buffered ourselves so much from it. I think. And that's the problem, is that we separate ourselves from that which that we don't understand, huh? Connection. No? Okay. So, <laughs> he's looking at me strangely, people, because that's just how people look at me when I talk. So, in buffering ourselves, separating ourselves from the true nature of life, if you want to say that, say it that way, from the true reality that we live in, just how the matrix is the made up fascination or fantasy of of existence for Neo and others that were in the Matrix and that out 
of the matrix is the true reality and the true understanding of how dirty and corrupt life is. I don't mm. know where I'm going with this, but you can help me out here. And no, I'm listening. And knowing that we can at one point find ourselves somewhere we we don't even know where it is, right? Okay, so then that's what I was gonna go to. So the story of of um is it Moses? No, is it Abraham? No, maybe it is. Abram. To go out to a land that is not your own. Who is that in the Old Testament? It's Abraham. It's Abram, right? Abram at, Abram at, at that, that point. point. Yeah. Right. And to go out and to be a, a, a to be a stranger in a, in a land that Hebrews, is not yours. Hebrews eleven eight. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. So what exactly what you were? But what did God tell him to to leave to leave something that you know, right? Because uh, I, I I like that part. Well, I mean, it's all great, but I like that part of it. The verse nine: By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. No, he said. God says to leave what you, you know, leave your dwelling, leave your family, leave your city. Go out, and I will. I will give you a land. You're talking about in Genesis. No, no, or no. It, it's it's this. <laughs> it's this one right here. Right here, right here. You know what I'm talking about? God tells Abram to leave his father's house. Eso. Mm-hmm. It was Genesis. Wow, I'm so dumb. I'm not dumb. But you were right. It was absolute Genesis. So New King James says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and your father's house, to a land that I will show you. That's what I was referring to. You were right. It was in Genesis. Genesis 12. So not only leave your country, not not, not only leave your family, but leave your father's house. All that you have known, all that you have... All that you have, all the people you've interacted with, your friends, your family, just leave it for a land that I will show you, or I forget. Mm-hmm. He had to essentially, by doing that, he essentially stripped him of his identity. There you go. It's beautiful. But I mean, he gave him a new name too. But that's that for was, his that new was still, identity. That was still after the. Yeah, that was still after the. So in in keeping with this theme that we're talking about, when when God made him holy, made him so holy, speak, right? yeah, or, or sep- he separated him himself from what he knew, from what he understood, from his own understanding. Yes, he realized that he did not know everything he needed to know. There was more DNA to be unlocked within him, more potential to be unlocked. Mm-hmm. But he did it voluntarily. Correct. Now, what we're talking about with these disasters and everything else is that's not voluntary. When that happens to you and it's not done on your own terms, 
that that's what creates the anxiety and the, the chaos and the chaos to filter in in a way that you don't want it to filter in. It's almost as though if you do something voluntarily, you you almost have a way of controlling the chaos. Oh, Stephen said, um, "Controlled chaos." Stephen who? Stephen. <laughs> From here. <laughs> oh, okay. Our people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Stephen. <laughs> Stephen. Stephen who? Even Stephen. Because it's never gonna go the way you think it's gonna go. We, right. right. We have an imagination, or we have thoughts. We have an. We might have an idea. But it's going to be different, right? But at the very least, we've already prepared ourselves mentally to expect something versus not expecting anything. Right. So it's like almost having like low expectations and then being totally surprised and totally impressed and, and leaving whatever you're leaving and being like, wow, that was amazing. Whereas though if you put an expectation, you think it's going to be a certain way and it doesn't be that way. It's very disappointing, I have to say. Mm-hmm. It's the same with this podcast. Also, We're hoping, we're dreaming, we're imagining it to be this magnificent podcast where we have a million listens every episode and... <laughs> a million downloads? A million downloads every episode <laughs> and, you know, we have speaking engagements around the country and around the world. But then we wake up like the Joker did and we realize we weren't dating her. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about because I haven't seen that Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm not going to say anything ever again about the Joker. (laughs) Great movie, though. I highly recommend it. Hey, you know what's funny? No, I don't. Tell Uh, me. We were at Costco yesterday. Oh, that's really funny, actually. And my my wife was wearing... she She was wearing a Batman shirt. And the... Guy at the register was asking us if we had seen the Joker movie, and I said no, I haven't seen it. And he went on and on about. He's like, yeah, I was thinking about walking out of it, and the towards the beginning, he's like, I just didn't like it. I didn't like, you know, it was too dark or whatever. And I was like, huh, like yeah, people do have a choice to leave to what we watch or what we entertain and. I guess for him it was just a little bit too much, but I can know. see that. My wife was like, "Like, yeah, like people don't realize like you can you can just walk out <laughs> at any point. Yeah, you can. Uh, You're not stuck there. You can turn off the TV and listen to this podcast instead. Exactly. Tune in every Friday. <laughs> no, so I think we're we're kind of touching on something very very important. If we think about God first and foremost as a way of directing our lives so that when the chaos does hit and when the pain and the tragedy does hit, we can still find our way through it all. Because I think that's that's apparent throughout Scripture as it, as it starts from Genesis all the way through... Revelation, and it, and, it, and it all kind of is tied together through he, through hearing the word, the logos, logos meaning the word, hmm. 
and and I think in that it, it's interesting how it's interesting how now we've 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 come to this place where we're having a discussion around free speech and hate speech and you know deplatforming and cancel culture and you know you're not words are violence if you misgender or misprone mis uh, misgender or you don't misidentify mis mis yeah mislabel and it's this weird place we find ourselves where in speaking about our values or our ideas it can bring harm to others which is true it can words can be hurtful for sure if you say it in a mean malicious manner but I think the part that people miss is intent and the part that people miss is an exploration and a stumbling through just as we are stumbling through each time we come and have a discussion on the podcast because obviously we don't know what will come next (laughs) there may be a fly walking around here stupid flies there may be an earthquake Power outage. Right? At any point. Something could happen. But so far, so good. We're alive. But touching on that, as far as uh, compelled speech, what we're doing without even realizing is, as some of us at least, you're, you're taking choice out of the equation. You're not allowing people to be who they are. Whether that's good or bad... We're not, we're not preventing people from still being evil. We're not preventing people from still practicing unrighteousness mm-hmm. or what have you. We're like I was mentioning to you earlier. We're legislating. We're trying to legislate good behavior without taking into consideration human behavior, human um, error. Right, the, the fact that we're in our fallen state, like we don't even want, we can't even go there. We can't even acknowledge our fallen state, but we have the answers to stop hate speech, to stop through laws, through laws, and again, it's just ignoring. It's like totally ignoring the persecute human heart. Yeah, we want to per- perse- We want to, we want to persecute. Is how you say the word? Persecute. Wow, that persecute. Anyways. <laughs> human behavior right without realizing what's at the core you're using oppression to combat oppression exactly but going back to the power of choice or that we have we all have a decision to make at one point or another as far as righteousness is concerned every day at every moment so we have a decision to make. With that in mind, you're talking about Ab- Abraham or Abram, and how he was called out to the land. Uh, Genesis 13. I'm gonna have to read the whole thing just to give us a better context. It says, "Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all he had, and Lot with him, to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold." And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. 
And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Lot also, who went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. It is not the whole land before you. Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abram dwelt, dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift your eyes now, and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. So, I know most commentaries are going to say that, yeah, that Lot decided to lean on his own understanding to some extent and stay within the city limits of Sodom, even though it was wicked, it was unrighteous, and it wasn't honoring God. But the fact that it was very fruitful, with uh, economically speaking, that Lot chose to settle there and have his strength or his wealth be generated from, by his own means or by his own understanding, that Abram, Abram took to took to the foothills or took to the land where it wasn't it was at a distance from the city it was disconnected from hmm. what's going on and he'd rather just he decided to rather lean not on his own understanding and look towards look towards God as his help as his provision so Abram decided to live in the Midwest and yes. Lot decided to live in L.A. Yes. Modern day Sodom and Gomorrah. It's one way to look at it. Anyway, you know, I mean, you can kind of inter- interject or put your own shoehorn your own your own interpretation of that. But I don't know. It seems pretty wicked in L.A. <laughs> but I mean, you have Hollywood. Yeah, but it's interesting. Right? Yeah, the influence the. Yeah, there's definitely a lot, a lot going on. More than what, like you said, do you have eyes to see? Do you have ears to hear? 
and what's actually being catered and what's how we're being influenced by this or that or the other. But yeah, it's interesting. I always, always like to point people that are curious or they're new believers to the life of Abraham in Genesis and how for me, the life of Abraham, the journey of faith that he has is essentially what the Christian life is supposed to be. We're supposed to be a reflection of his process and him hearing the, him hearing from God and him abiding in God's word and being patient and allowing the word to form his thoughts, to mold him and him going by faith, right? Or by um, submitting, I should say, to God's word, being obedient to God's word and then seeing the fruit thereof. That's essentially the Christian life, the Christian process, so to speak. Mm, like a nice little nutshell. Pretty simplified. Yeah. Obviously, it gets complex as you move out from there, but that's a good starting point, I think. It kind of... Uh, I hope this connects. This is Proverbs 19.3. The foolishness of man ruins his way, and his heart rages against the Lord. So I think that ties in nicely with what I was referring to earlier, and I think even thinking about Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah about... And, and, and on Saturday we talked about how we... Peterson talked about this idea of like extending ourselves into inanimate and animate objects. So when we're driving, mm-hmm. we have to extend ourselves into the vehicle, and, and we are the vehicle at that point when someone nicks us we were like hey dude what the heck like that's my car I care about it that's that's that's, that's little whatever you want to name your car you know little Although grace you can, you can feel <laughs> you can definitely feel the car as it moves when you hit the pedal the gas pedal versus hitting the brakes and how you feel the force of the car having to slow down and you know engaging in the brakes and the tires squeak and exactly so then that 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 refers to if you will to protect your heart for all things flow from it the heart is the wellspring of of life so then thinking and thinking about that is that when we we are when our heart is in something we follow i think there's a scripture about that if not i'm wrong but when when we are you know, being sick, I mean, we pour our heart out to God, then we follow naturally. Right? And I think it says, Many will seek the favor of a generous man, and every man is a friend to him who gives gifts. And I think you had brought that up at one point also. But just also, that, that goes into that same idea of like extending ourselves in the gift that love is, is the gift that keeps on giving. I don't know. But. And in, in, in doing and being a gift giver, that is extending ourselves, our, our heart to that person, and then being re, in receiving that gift and that love is how we, again, thinking about spreading the kingdom and, and thinking about decreasing, reducing, preventing the hostility that we see in the world in managing the chaos. Mm hmm. I think that that's all there. And then I think this is cool too. It says in eight, he 
who gets wisdom loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will find good. A falseness witness will not go unpunished, and he who tells lies will perish. So there's that dichotomy again about being someone who loves his own soul or who is wise and loves his own soul who keeps understanding but then someone who is a false witness and a and a liar will perish which is what we're seeing with the CNN uh, expose and seeing with ABC when they when they lied about that attack I don't know if you noticed the uh, or you heard about that that's the one it was the like doctor that, video or something like that yeah they, they said it was footage of Syria but it was actually footage of some shooting fireworks range yeah fire, Kentucky go, or fighting or fire um, shooting range and then yeah you, you go on and on and on Jesse Smollett mm. or Dave Chappelle call him Smollett or something like that so I well, come, the verse that came to mind for me when you were saying that um, was First Corinthians 1, verse 27. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which despise God. Sorry. And the things which are despised, God has chosen, and the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Hmm. And going back to... yeah. Abram and Lot, God was his provider, his, essentially his everything. I mean, we talked about a little bit last time too about he wasn't going to allow the kings, the foreign kings, the kings that didn't honor God, he wasn't going to allow them to bless him because he didn't want to give them any credit to his blessing or his Mm -hmm. life, his riches, his wealth. And how, yeah, I guess... Because somewhere else in the in scripture and all it it also mentions how God says why He chose Israel and He tells them not because you were the strongest or the mightiest or the most numerous, but because actually because you were the weakest, the smallest, the smallest, yeah. yeah. But then, because then I always because that for me opens the door to Jesus, right? And Jesus being uh, how is it that Elisa puts it? He chose. He could have played by his own rules, right? When he when he descended down to earth, but he actually he actually became the lowest of the lowest form of the status quo in in humanity at the time. Born in the manger, being a son of a carpenter, right? Being born with the notoriety of being illegitimate. Oh yeah. So there was a there was a lot that was not in his favor that he he, he could have easily just been born, you know, as a king Rich, and a prince. Yeah. But no, he, he decided to take a lowly form, lowly role title. It's interesting. It's wonderful. Yeah. I think that's that's all about we can get done today, sir.
All right. Until next time. Until next time. I'll see you at the crossroads. Live from the RM Studios in Tustin, California. At the crossroads with Gabriel and Lee.